0: Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients, serving Louisiana clients for a hundred 128 years and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities. IberiaBank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp, Fidelity Bank, and 30 North Investments.
1: From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business New
2: Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. There's a reason that almost everybody with a business also has an attorney and an accountant. And it's not because we're enthusiastic about paying taxes and obeying laws. In fact, most of us are trying to get away with paying as little tax as possible. And although we're paying hundreds of dollars an hour for it, we often only grudgingly take our attorney's advice. If you don't embrace the spirit of the law and only follow the letter of it because you don't want to end up in prison, does that make you a bad person or is that just human nature? Ethics in business is a subject Aaron Beam is very familiar with. Aaron spent time in federal prison for his role in the two billion dollar fraud that brought down healthcare giant HealthSouth in the late 1990s. Since then, Aaron has been talking about business ethics to companies and college classes across the country, and he's the author of the new book Ethics First. Aaron, welcome to Out to Lunch. Good to be here. Uh, Dr. Barbara Fleischer is Associate Professor of Pastoral Studies Emerita at Loyola University. Dr. Fleischer focuses on marketplace ministry, the function of individual spirituality in the workplace, and the social responsibility of businesses. Uh, Barbara, welcome out to lunch.
3: Thank you so much. It's a delight to be here.
2: Aaron, with something as concrete as money, it's either there or it's not. If you say it is when it isn't, you've got to know someone's going to find out. Uh, When otherwise smart people get caught defrauding stockholders or lying to federal regulators, many of us wonder, what were they thinking? As a person who has been in this position, can you explain that? And what is the mindset of someone who flat-out lies about profit or income that doesn't exist? Well, part of the thing is, most accounting is not just
4: cash, there's a tremendous amount of estimating that goes on in accounting. So you say it's either cash or it isn't, it really is um, another thing altogether. And one of the things that's happening in our society today becoming less of a cashless society. Uh, A lot of frauds are are carried out via the internet, via um, all kinds of things that don't involve cash. Years Lucky. ago, they asked people, "Why did you rob banks?" Well, that's where the money is. <laughs> Today, you don't. The cyber crimes and things rob people all the time, but they aren't actually stealing cash. So that's that's one reason we have a lot of problems with corporate fraud. And with
2: your business, Aaron, like um, uh, you know, in healthcare, you've got uh, revenue recognition, right? Exactly. That's example. In all businesses, the trickiest
4: area of accounting is typically revenue recognition and uh, estimating your bad debts, and particularly in healthcare, you have contracts with HMOs,
2: Medicare, Medicaid. And those are all ripe for moving numbers. Around, That's I right, guess. you
4: have to estimate those things when you book your revenue. So it's easy to succumb to Wall Street pressure, the pressure of your boss, or just trying to achieve your goals. You say, well, if we change the way we're booking this just a little bit, it's not that bad, and but it's kind of like building a house of sticks, over time it's gonna fall down just like Enron crumbled one day.
2: That's right, now Enron, MCI, WorldCom, and HealthSouth
4: were all around the same time period, right? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. They all kind of happened, and uh, Dr. Jennings at Arizona State University has written a book called The Seven Signs of Ethical Collapse about these companies, and they all had seven things kind of common to them uh, that, that kind of trademarked those companies. What were a couple of those, Uh, Aaron? Over-the-top CEOs who were very money-oriented. Their main focus and measurement of success was making more money. Weak boards of directors, um, things of that nature.
2: Now, Barbara, uh, uh, business is based on competition. Competition is about creating winners and losers. Uh, Spirituality transcends that kind of materialistic approach to the world. On an individual level, how do you draw a connection between spirituality and business? How are you doing it?
3: Well, let me um, just give a context for what I do. I, I'm at the Institute for Ministry, and we have a Master of Pastoral Studies there. We found that 25% <laughs> of the students coming to us had no intention of working in a church. They, they wanted to find out, what's the spiritual dimension of what I'm already doing? Whoa. And so we have uh, lawyers social workers, counselors, nurses. We have um, a TV anchor who's uh, in one of our students now. Oh. And uh, they're really looking for the transcendent dimension with a sense that there's something in here that's, that's more than just a job. There's something uh, that really transcends um, my own self-interest. And it's, it's giving me a larger sense of myself, a sense of connection. Well, you know, I, it's interesting you say that because
2: the students I've had in the last 10 years seem to be more about that big picture, uh, less about, you know, when I was growing up, you know, if, some, if you could make half a million dollars a year, you'd eat glass, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but now it seems to be bigger than that, about lifestyle decisions, big picture decisions. This must be a good group for you then.
3: It is, and, and I was coming at it from our pastoral sense, but the more I looked at it, I found that the the fastest growing division of the Academy of Management is the uh, division of spirituality, religion, and management, and people really seeking how can we collectively put our highest ideals and virtues to to practice, not only among ourselves but among our stakeholders, um, taking the earth into consideration, taking the, the social responsibility of our company into consideration, the common good.
2: Now, l- let me ask you, when, um, when Aaron was heading off to prison, if you, were, um, if you were counseling him on a pastoral basis, what would you have said to him? What, what should he do
3: with those next three months? Um, I, I would ask, what's, what are your deepest desires? What, how, do you, how do you want to leave a legacy of your life um, in this world? How do you want to make a difference in this world? And if so... What would that mean in, in real life? And so yes. may, maybe uh, did, Aaron, did that you, question ever come up for you, Aaron?
4: It has. You know, I've, I've written a second book, which is at the printer right now. It's actually and, in front of
2: us, right? A little, yeah. A, a and, little raw
4: copy, right? right. <laughs> and it's um, it was interesting. After I got out of prison, uh, I was not a church-going person for for 70 mm. or 68 years. I'd really not That's been. That's a long time to take but, off. Really, yeah. But uh, <laughs> I joined the Catholic faith. Um it, it kind of tied in with the research I was doing to try to understand why I did what I did, and so I started researching. Well, how did we start teaching ethics? And I lo and behold, there's something called the Ten Commandments: don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. <laughs> just do those three things, and you'll be pretty. So ethical. just get those three out of ten. It's <laughs> like batting baseball. Yeah, three out of yeah. ten is fine. So it, it's religion to me is is another way to reinforce your behavior in doing the right things. And uh, I am uh, go to church every Sunday now, and it's part of my change in my life, and I've written about it in my new book.
2: That is that is uh, really... You know, you brought up something, Doctor, that I have been bringing up in the classroom. In fact, everybody is. And this is the subject of whether or not corporations are beholden simply to shareholders or a larger group that I guess we would call stakeholders, be customers, suppliers, employees, the, the community, the environment, what do you think the answer is?
3: I think we're, we're citizens of this world. And so as an individual has responsibility to their community, so does our collective organization and what we do together. We can't just pollute everything for people to um, come down with cancer on Cancer Alley between here and Baton Rouge. Um, there are responsibilities that we have as a group as well as as individuals, and I think you know the United States is often described as having a great strand of individualism, but I think some of the spirituality and work movement is really making us think about what do we do together, what what is it that we're trying to create, what kind of world are we trying to create together,
2: and then the other thing that keeps coming up in the same argument, and maybe this is an Aaron question, is a uh, the idea of short-term desires, even for, on a corporate basis, you, you, one of the things that got you into trouble was this desire, this need to keep meeting expectations every quarter. Um, are we ever going to get away from that, Going long-term it, thinking? It is very much
4: of a human nature to be short-term focused. We typically, as humans, go for what pleases us today. People overeat because the food is so good. They overdrink because they like the way it makes them feel. It has terrible consequences for the future. But the human being
2: is a little is, too close to home. But go yeah, on. Yeah.
4: Uh, but <laughs> but human beings tend to be short-term focused. Lots and lots of uh, analytical studies have been done, and people will go for the short-term benefit over the long-term benefit. And but like you say, in terms of society, uh, I, I mean, when I grew up in Shreveport, Louisiana. Shreveport and Bossier City dumped their sewage in the Red River there. It fixed an immediate problem. It got the, you know what, out of their house. <laughs> and into, but it went into the rivers, and well, maybe it's gonna kill a few fish. But then we discovered in the 60s that rivers up north were catching on fire. They were so polluted. Yes, that was a bad sign. Yeah, so, but I think generally speaking, and let me digress a little, I think we're getting better. Years ago, we had something called slavery. We owned human beings. <laughs> not ethical. Really not. Then we had the robber barons, who did great things, and their names are still around. But they worked children 12 hours a day, six days a week. They they created monopolies. They did lots of bad things. We fixed that, you know. We're fixing the environment. Now, I think, and as you say today, I've been talking to college students for the past five years and I really see a difference the college student today than five years ago they're really more concerned about these things and it was good to hear you say the same thing so uh, I agree that we have a it's not just make profit there's lots of consequences from polluting rivers as we learned etc cetera, etc cetera.
2: in fact it uh, guess make One of the things that people say is there's got to be different uh, definitions of success. Maybe it's not just earnings per share and uh,
3: there's. Actually the um, Bainbridge School of Management in in Seattle has a triple bottom line. And um, they are trying to create entrepreneurs through their their school of business that will focus on having a sustainable business but also sustainable in terms of environmentally sustainable and also focused on social responsibility so the success of the business is measured in terms of how well it does all three of those Um, and so it's it's a different model for business
2: now this is the part of the show we the inbox part where our producer uh, picks a question that's come in
1: from a listener over the past week Uh, grant what have you got Peter, we have a number of questions that have come in for both of our guests today. Barbara, let me start with you. Christine Alba asks you about business. At what point does success and growth become greed?
3: You know, I think if money is the all be all and end all, and there's nothing else, but that's what uh, what we're after. I think it diminishes our sense of self, and and uh, perhaps that's what we go after over and over again, without any larger sense of of contributing, but um, a business can look the same, but the people are there with a sense of service, service to one another, service to their customers, service to their community, and it, it may be a restaurant um, at the same time, but there's a whole different sense of ideals and a whole sense of, of virtue. Do you think people
2: know when they've hit that line where they're, they're changing their, uh, their motives?
3: Uh, you know, I think it may be a day-to-day thing. <laughs> you know, I, th- I think sometimes w- our fears of what's going to happen in the future take over and all we're interested in is what's, what's the bottom line and then other times we have a larger sense of self and say, no, this is about something much larger than this. But uh, if we start cutting corners, I think that's, that's a sign that maybe we're taking attack in a different direction.
1: Aaron has a question for you from Tiffany Markey-Truxillo who asks, how do you start over in business after a serious situation like you went through?
4: Well, realistically, if you've gone to prison, it's very difficult. <laughs> uh, I was, could not get a job. Once I, on any application, if I said I was a felon, it's very difficult to get a job. So for three years, I actually uh, I had my own little business mowing lawns. So well, sometimes you have to just go back to square one and do something that um, you can do, even if it's simple. And there's nothing wrong with mowing the lots. I enjoyed it. It uh, got a little hot in July and August <laughs> in South Alabama, but uh, that's how I, I got back on track, really, was
2: uh, just plain old manual labor. Wow. That is, uh, from a CFO to a lawn, lawn guy, that is, uh, wow. <laughs> sure.
3: One of our students right now just spent 29 years in Angola prison. And um, he grew up very poor in one of the projects. This is
2: not the anchor man you have in your class, no, right? Okay, I'm no. just checking this.
3: Um, but, uh, you know, in his reflections, he said, I don't know how I got into being a criminal. It wasn't what my parents uh, drew me into. And what drew him out of it was r- he was really getting in touch with his spiritual tradition and getting deeply into it. And I think there's a lot that our companies can do to help returning citizens get back on their feet. Um, whether it's hiring them as the lawn person or, or giving them a chance, that's a very difficult transition for people coming out of prison to do is, is to get a job. And a lot of them really want to turn their lives around, but they, can't, they, they just can't get a job. So that's something that I think our business people in New Orleans can do very concretely. Aaron, Barbara, I
2: want to take a minute to introduce you to Andrew Preble. Now, we met Andrew through 52 businesses who specialize in uncovering entrepreneurs in the early stages of development. Andrew's entrepreneurial idea is called Escape Room. And I'm gonna give Andrew one minute to tell you about it. Then I'm gonna give each of you a chance to ask Andrew one question, a question that you think he'll need to be able to answer to move his business forward. Andrew, give us your one minute pitch.
1: Hi, thanks for um, inviting me on the show. I'm Andrew Preble and I'm the founder of Escape My Room, a new experience opening soon in New Orleans where you and up to seven other guests get trapped inside of a room while visiting the Delaporte Family Museum. You will have one hour to work together and solve puzzles which will eventually lead to your release. It may seem like a nightmare, but we promise you'll have fun and learn interesting facts about the history of the city. Escape rooms are a new genre of entertainment first invented in China as a physical version of a digital point and click computer game, similar to Myst. They have quickly spread around the globe. Escape My Room will be different because a silent partner has given me access to the Delaporte family artifacts, which were put in storage when the house was demolished to build a new hospital near the Superdome. Each room will tell a small snippet of this mysterious family. We will be open to the public soon, and you can go to our website at escapemyroom.com to sign up for the newsletter and be the first to get access to tickets when they become available.
2: Wow. Wow. I've never heard of anything like this. This is a, uh, who wants to
3: start? <laughs> well, I have a question. Um, y- your dimension includes learning about New Orleans. And sure. that sounds like a unique aspect. So why did you add that?
1: Um, you know, I entertain a lot of tourists uh, or a lot of visitors to the city. And in the, you know, in the ghost tours and in the other other sorts of carriage rides that happen, there's a lot of misinformation that goes on there, and, and, and I enjoy history, enjoy reading about, you know, odd historical events that are true, and I thought, you know, truth is stranger than fiction, and, and why not try to teach people also when they're in this environment? And, and that adds another level, too. If you're, you know, if you're interested in learning it, then you will pick it up. Aaron, you've been a successful business person. What would you say to Andrew? You know, I'm having trouble just really
4: understanding it. You said it's a lot like the gaming industry, playing of games, which we know has grown to be huge beyond belief. You you don't see a teenage boy that doesn't play games. Mm -hmm. Have you taken an attempt to estimate financially just how big this business could be overall, say, in the United States?
1: I think it's going to grow, um, you know, pretty significantly in in china and in europe now this this business idea has grown the bbc did a story recently in budapest and there's 60 different companies that have escape rooms in (laughs) budapest and then they'll have often multiple rooms within that same these all
4: generate
1: money and they all generate money Um, so it's a new you know i think now um social capital is big and even you know interesting experiences so you know you you pay to do this for one hour. It's yeah. more yeah. exciting than a movie, maybe. You get to talk paintball more. Paintball shooting or yeah, whatever. Yeah, paintball yeah, yeah. shooting, laser tag, You know the, the trampoline park that opened. Um, I think it's all kind of in the same vein of of doing something fun and interesting and, and learning interesting something, and 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 yeah. learning something yeah. too, yeah. in the process. So. Yeah. So
2: Andrew, thank you so much for coming by today. We'll look forward to following your progress with Escape My Room. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much. We're going to stick around a little longer after the show and talk some more about Escape My Room. You'll be able to hear the rest of our conversation with Andrew Preble on our website. It's neworleans.com. Uh, Aaron Beam, Barbara Fleischer, being a good person and being good at business might not always be qualities that we uh, are easy to reconcile, but they're not mutually exclusive. That's what I've learned today. <laughs> this has been a very illuminating conversation. Thank you both for joining me on out to lunch.
0: Thank, Thank you. you. It's wonderful.
2: Thank you. Thank you. My my guests and out to lunch today have been Aaron Beam, business ethicist and author of Ethics First, and Dr. Barbara Fleischer, associate professor of pastoral studies emerita at Loyola University. You can find out more about Aaron's ethics and Barbara's marketplace ministry by following the links on our websites, WWNO.org. And it's neworleans.com. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music, and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. the highly touted. Jennifer Smith is our researcher. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can get this show as a podcast, you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, it's neworleans.com and wwno.org. Support for Out to Lunch comes from Baton Rouge-based Presonus Audio Electronics. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting and WWNO for it's com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch.
0: Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients, serving Louisiana clients for 100 128 years and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities. IberiaBank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp, Fidelity Bank, and 30 North Investments.